Welcome to Convos from the Couch from LifeSans Health, where each episode you'll hear engaging and informative conversations with leading mental health professionals that will help guide you on your journey to leading a healthier, more fulfilling life. Today's episode features the important topic of postpartum OCD with our amazing guest, Stephanie Phillips. So it's very, very common and, and in a lot of ways, unfortunately, still, still really misunderstood. So, you know, and when someone comes and says, I'm experiencing these symptoms, sometimes just in and of itself hearing, hey, this is, this is something that a lot of people experience. This, is, this does not mean you want to harm your baby. This does not make you a bad parent. This, you know, it means none of that. It's so reassuring in and of yeah, itself I'm to sure. have that named and identified and to be told, no, like it doesn't mean any of that. Hello, everyone. I'm Nicolette Lianza, and I'm so excited to have my colleague Stephanie Phillips joining us today to talk about postpartum OCD. So, Stephanie, it's always great to see you. You too. Let's jump in. Thank you. Let's jump in. Tell me a little bit about yourself and, and what some of your specialties are. Okay. Um, so, I am a licensed clinical social worker in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. I'm a licensed independent social worker in the state of Ohio. Um, I started my career down in Kentucky. I've been doing this for about 10 years. I moved up to Cleveland about three years ago. Um, and I specialize, I guess I would say I specialize in trauma and um, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, which are often known as postpartum mental health issues, uh, which of, of course we're going to be talking about today. Um, and so my, uh, one of my primary treatment modalities is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, EMDR. So I'm fully trained in EMDR, and um, that's what I enjoy using the majority of the time. So, Great, great. And, and so as we're jumping into our topic here, you know, looking at postpartum OCD, I've come to understand that it's very much misunderstood about postpartum in general, that people just assume that it's postpartum depression. And so right. not recognizing that it can also encompass OCD and other things. But yeah. I, I guess to get our conversation started, let's just talk about just some common postpartum issues just in general. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. We've done a really good job, I think, uh, in the relatively recent past about raising awareness for postpartum depression, which is amazing. <laughs> the only drawback for that is that often people don't realize that it's not just depression. So in the postpartum period, oftentimes we're looking at um, anxiety and panic disorders, even bipolar disorder. Um, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, is also something that can come up during the postpartum period. Um, obsessive compulsive disorder, of course, which we're going to focus on today. And um, postpartum psychosis uh, can wow. also occur during the um, postpartum period. So there's definitely a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, again, I don't think it's it's common knowledge that all that can happen postpartum for sure. Yes. Yeah. And, and so jumping in and just picking one of those aspects is looking at obsessive compulsive disorder within postpartum. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think the biggest question is, can we just have you tell us a little bit more of what that is and how it's diagnosed? Yeah, absolutely. So obsessive compulsive disorder is um, 
it can, it actually can be either or sometimes it can be, um, both together. So obsessions, which are, um, thoughts that essentially get stuck in our head. You know, it can be thoughts, it can be images, it can be ideas, um, that pop up in our, in our brain and just feel like they kind of go around and around, just get stuck. And it's very, very hard. Um, often feels impossible to actually get rid of them, to stop them. Um, and yeah, they just get stuck there. Um, compulsions on the other hand, um, actually compulsions can be internal. They can be, um, in our head. They can be things that, um, we are doing kind of, you know, examples would be counting, um, repeating phrases, things like that. Um, they can also be external. Um, it can be checking things. It can be, um, kind of a, kind of a classic idea of what OCD looks like is say hand washing. If I've decided that Mm -hmm. my hands are contaminated or unclean, so I'm washing them repeatedly sometimes to the extent that my hands get raw and, and, um, very dry and very painful. Um, so we sometimes see those two things together with OCD. Sometimes we see just kind of one or the other, it can be an either or proposition. Um, the way we diagnose those is, of course, you know, we have a diagnostic interview where a therapist or a psychiatrist asks you a series of questions, um, figures out if that's something that you're experiencing. There are also um, scales. I think the most well-known scale would be the uh, Y-box, which is the Yale-Brown Obsessive Compulsive Scale. And so that's something that a therapist or a psychiatrist might, or a medical doctor for that you know, doesn't have to be a psychiatrist specifically, Um, a doctor can administer that and kind of look at your score and see if maybe OCD is something that you're dealing with. I would think that clients coming to you having no idea that's what it is, you know, they Mm -hmm. might be coming to you just saying these certain things and have no idea is the response as you're telling them, hey, I think this might be postpartum OCD. Are they shocked? Yeah. Usually what's a response from them? yeah, very often. I mean, and, and certainly specifically in the postpartum period, because like, yeah, like we already talked about, a lot of people are like, whoa, <laughs> I've heard of postpartum depression. You're telling me that OCD is something that, you know, can develop in the postpartum period. So a lot of times it is very um, surprising and shocking. A lot of times, I, I mean, I'd, I'd even venture to say most of the time, it's a huge relief because these, uh, these thoughts and these images can often be very, very scary, um, extremely upsetting. Um, specifically in the postpartum period, a lot of times they center around, you know, really awful things happening to the baby. Um, Mm -hmm. even, even this fear sometimes, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm going to do something to cause harm to my baby. And so there's, there's often, that's that's part of the reason that it can be really challenging to diagnose is because there's such a huge stigma and they're yeah. so afraid, you know, God, if I talk to somebody about this, if I reveal this, they're going to think I'm dangerous. They're going to think I'm crazy. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're going to mm-hmm. like lock me up. They're going to do all these things. And it prevents people from being open and honest about what they're experiencing and being able to be helped, being able to be told, no, this is extremely common because anywhere from two to nine percent of new parents who have just given birth experience this you know wow two to nine percent yes yeah so it's very very common and and in a lot of ways unfortunately still still really misunderstood so you know and when someone comes and says i'm experiencing these symptoms sometimes just in and of itself hearing hey 
this is this is something that a lot of people experience. This is this does not mean you want to harm your baby. This does not make you a bad parent. This, you know, it means none of that. It's so reassuring in and of yeah, itself I'm to sure. have that named and identified and to be told, no, like it doesn't mean any of that. This is what it is. And, right, you right. know, yeah. I, I would think that would just, again, that reassurance would just bring down the level of anxiety so much of, okay, oh there's nothing, goodness. this isn't, this is a common thing that happens. It's not right. just me. And, and so I can also see the other end where people would avoid getting help because they think it's just them and they maybe just not, you yeah. know, it's, it's funny. I keep saying people, is this something, and I think when we think postpartum, we're just thinking women, mm-hmm. is, is there a counter, if, if the partner is identified, a male identified or a male, do males go through a postpartum period sometimes? Yes. Yeah, they definitely can. Um, um, it's definitely something that affects, you know, not just the parent who has given birth, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely something that can affect a partner. Um, and, and they can experience the, the same kinds of symptoms as the person who gave birth did. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's interesting. Cause mm-hmm. I, I think the circle just closes around the, the mom who yes. gave birth yeah, and, and maybe sometimes excludes those around yeah, her yeah. per se. So, yeah, no, definitely. Good. Yeah. And, and when, yeah. And, and when we know, you know, and, and sometimes of course, you know, a risk factor for developing OCD or any of these other um, mental health concerns during this period um, is having pre-existing issues, uh, you know, yeah. with, as far as mental health is concerned. Um, the stressor of adding a baby to the family <laughs> is experienced by both the person who gave birth and, you know, mm-hmm. the 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 non-birthing partner, essentially. Right. So if we right. look at it from that perspective, it's like, yeah, this, this is a stressor that, you know, there's a new person coming into the house. Um, often, you know, especially if we're talking about a first child, it's like, we kind of don't know what mm-hmm. we're doing. There's no real roadmap. Um, and so it can be a hugely, even though it's often welcome, even though it's often very, it can be a hugely stressful situation. And yeah. I mean, oftentimes just because of that perception of, this is a joyful time. This is a happy time. You know, that's, that's another thing that really contributes to the stigma of all of these concerns and then OCD specifically, because it kind of interferes with that belief and that narrative of I'm supposed to be happy. I'm supposed to be super excited about everything that's happening right now. What's going on with me? Why am I, why am I having these feelings? And again, it often kind of become turns into I must be having these feelings because right. I'm a bad parent. You right, know? right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. So if if someone struggled with OCD previous to giving birth or around, you know, even mm-hmm. if it's a loved one around the partner who gave birth, mm-hmm. is that does that increase the chances of having OCD afterwards? Oh uh, yeah. Postpartum? Yeah. yeah, definitely. Um I think I think the uh positive thing maybe is if you've had pre-existing issues with OCD, then it might be a little easier to identify, oh, you know, maybe this is my OCD kind of flaring up and and maybe mm-hmm. this is the Got reason you. that I'm experiencing this. And then of course if you're already in therapy, um, then you might already be able to, well, you might be able, you would be, talk, be able to talk to your existing therapist about that. But even if the therapy had existed, had happened in the past, you know, you might be able to say, ah, 
I think I know what this might be. I think I know what it is. I, I know that these tools helped me in the past and maybe I can implement them. And if necessary, of course, get back into therapy, you know, right. if it's something that you're not currently doing. Yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So how, how is it treated? Well, there are a few different options for how it's treated um, with, with OCD in general, a, a specific form of CBT called ERP, which stands for exposure and response or ritual prevention can often be very helpful. Um, a lot of times that's done, um, well, that's, that's kind of as a rule done in conjunction with mindfulness practices and a lot of kind of acceptance and commitment therapy, where there's this focus on recognizing that you can tolerate the anxiety. Because a lot of times what happens is we have an obsessive that kind of gets stuck in our head, then we do something, you know, and that's kind of where the compulsion obvi- often comes in is we do something to alleviate that anxiety. And oftentimes that what we are doing is unpleasant. It's very time consuming. It's not something we want to be doing. So a lot of times it's about recognizing, okay, I can have this anxious thought. I can sit here. I can tolerate it. I can let this thought pass. I can work on letting it go without responding to it, you know, in the way my OCD is telling me I need to respond to it. Um, another, another thing, and and a thing that I like to use with OCD is EMDR. Um, Mm -hmm. and what we do with EMDR is we target those, um, beliefs that emerge as a result of those OCD thoughts of, you know, like we mentioned, I must be a bad parent if I'm thinking this, you know, all of those kinds of things, all of the thoughts in that realm, we target those with EMDR and are able to, you know, kind of help nudge, nudge the thoughts in the right direction of, so that component of education with, you know, okay, this is OCD. This is not me. This is not me telling me to do these things or really wanting to do these things, creating that separation and then being able to target those beliefs that arise as a result of those symptoms. And then we can, we can kind of replace those thoughts, so to speak, with not, I'm a bad parent, but I'm a kind, loving parent. I'm a caring right. parent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So are there other tips that people can do outside of therapy within themselves to navigate this or for those who have partners who are struggling with this, uh, what they can do to help support someone who's struggling with OCD? Or well, I, I mean, yeah, I think, I think the, the single biggest thing is just that awareness, like being able to identify you know, okay, it, it sounds yeah. like here are the thoughts that are, that are happening, you know, here are the thoughts that you're experiencing and here's what we can kind of do about them. So in terms of those just basic coping skills, you know, breathing, meditation, mindfulness, all of those kinds of things. Um, I think in the name of um, that kind of education and, and normalizing these symptoms or these thoughts that we often have, Um, There's a great book called um, Good Moms Have Scary Thoughts Ah. by Karen Kleinman. And it's it's set up in a cartoon. So it's very it's very cute and accessible, but it really normalizes because there are so many there are so many new parents that have these thoughts that it just normalizes, you know this is something that a lot of people deal with and it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad parent. It just means that, you know, maybe you have OCD, maybe you need a little help, maybe you need a little extra support. So just being able to notice those thoughts and name them and say, Hey, 
yeah, this isn't what that means. That doesn't right. mean this about you. And then, you know, of course, being able to say, okay, is this something that it feels like this is getting manageable? Or is it this something that it feels like we could use a little outside intervention for? So Stephanie, how long can people expect uh, for these symptoms to last uh, during postpartum? Well, it, it really varies pretty widely. I think it's important to, to keep in mind that all of these, um, all of these uh, mental health concerns can pop up during pregnancy and the onset can be anywhere from, you know, like during pregnancy all the way up to 12 months post birth Uh. is kind of considered to be the classic cutoff. Now, of course, if somebody starts having symptoms, you know, let's say three months post birth, um, that's not to say that if they don't show up for therapy until their child is 18 months old, that doesn't mean that it's not, you know, something that's postpartum because it has that, you know, kind of specified onset. So, I mean, prognosis varies pretty widely, of course, depending on things like, you know, your social support system, because the better your social Mm -hmm. support system is, especially in a time when you've added a child to your family, um, the better it's, the easier it's going to be to, you know, get the support you need in terms of professionally and um, be able to do to take care of yourself. Um, So yeah, it's, it's, it varies pretty widely in terms of how, how long um, a person can kind of like expect to have the symptoms subside a little bit and, and feel better, but definitely, you know, up to 12 months postpartum or post birth is, you know, when we notice these coming up. I have another question for you. Being a clinician myself, I know how some uh, disorders symptoms can sometimes mimic others. And and so In my experience, I know that sometimes it can look similar of, of symptoms of OCD can look similar to symptoms of psychosis. Can you give us some clarity on that? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's that's a really important concern because postpartum psychosis, it's very rare, um, but it's very scary. You know, it's, it's definitely mm-hmm. a medical emergency that requires immediate intervention. Going to the emergency room is, is key. Um, so with OCD, as we've talked about, it's, it can be these like really intrusive, scary images sometimes of me, you know, in the baby, sometimes myself, I'm seeing something happen. I'm seeing myself harm the baby. So mm-hmm. the biggest way to differentiate between OCD symptoms versus psychosis symptoms is in OCD. That's very, very upsetting to me. It's not right. something that I want to do. It's not something that I want to follow through on. It doesn't make sense. It, it makes me feel like there's something wrong. That's, that's the biggest thing. With psychosis, unfortunately, you often have um, the new parent has thoughts about needing to harm the baby, needing to harm themselves, and those thoughts make sense. Those thoughts seem uh. like this is what needs to happen this is the right thing to do. Um, and so, so if somebody is expressing those things and they don't seem to think that it's a problem or there's something like if it's not distressing to them, then that's when it's time to get to the closest ER. It's a medical emergency. It needs immediate intervention. People recover. It's important to, it's important to emphasize this. People make full recoveries from psychosis. It's a very time limited 
um, medical emergency that requires immediate intervention. But it, when you get the intervention, you know, often people make that full recovery and everything is fine, but it does require immediate intervention. That's actually a really big relief that someone can recover from it. And also, thank you for helping us understand the difference between postpartum OCD and postpartum psychosis. My gosh, Stephanie, you're such a wealth of knowledge on this topic. So thank you again for joining us today. And hopefully we can have you on again sometime. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Convos from the Couch by Lifestance Health, where we are reimagining mental health. Please take care.